Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you doing today? Hey, uh, hope, uh, hope you can come out. Uh, he mentioned Encounter, but I'm also going to be sharing kind of update on this uh, Ethiopia water drilling project we have. Got some great news about that. Got some uh, pictures to show you, and it's going to be very exciting. So anyway, hope you can uh, join us for that. And also, again, if you're brand new, uh, we do these next steps about once a month that are kind of a dessert at our house, and we would love to have you uh, come. It's very kind of relaxed hangout time, and it's just a great time. So I want to make sure you, you sign up for that, and you can do, do that online as well. So uh, we're going to go into our time of teaching. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the Church of Rocky Peak. And uh, if you're brand new, again, Special welcome, and inside your program, you want to pull out uh, the handout that's there uh, to help you follow along with the, the message notes for today. So you all ready to go? Yeah. Okay, let's jump in. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and how you're waking us up and teaching us what it looks like to, to truly follow you as passionate Christ followers. And today as we continue this series on, on freedom and what it looks like to grow in freedom and be set free from from materialism, set free from the things of this world that tie us down, and to have a true heart like Jesus, a heart of generosity. We, we pray that you would just kind of move in, in our hearts, lead us in the next step of our journey, show each of us what you want us to hear today. We pray that in your name. Amen. Well, today, uh, our story starts about 2,000 years ago. Uh, it's... Uh, he lives in the land of Mesopotamia. In fact, it's, it's like modern-day uh, Iraq. And uh, he comes out of a pagan background. And, and so out, out of the blue, God shows up and, and appears to him and reveals himself as a true God. And, and he calls him to follow him, and he makes him a series of promises. And one of the promises, if you follow me, that I, I will turn you into a great nation. And so he decides to follow this God. He doesn't know where he's going, but, but he decides to follow him, and he ends up in the land that we know as, as Canaan. And about 10 years after he's there, God shows up again, and he reveals himself again, and he, he, he makes a promise that, that I'm going to give this land, this land of Canaan, to, to your descendants, right? And so, so we know that man is Abraham. And, and so Abraham, uh, there's kind of a long and windy road over their history, the next Six, seven hundred years as God kind of expands his family. They, they turn into a nation. They go down to the, to the nation of Egypt. They, they fall into slavery there 400 years. Uh, after that, finally, kind of Moses comes, rescues them out. Uh, they, they go through the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, wander in the wilderness for, for 40 years. And now it's time for them to go into the promised land. This, this land that has been promised 700 years before. And, and it's time for the fulfillment. And so they cross the Jordan and and they have to take the, battle, they take the land by battle, by conquest. And so that takes several years. And, and now has come for the time of the division of the land. And, and Moses has been very clear before he died that God has specific plans for this land. That the, the land, the nation is to be divided up into 12 separate tracts of land. 12 separate sections of the nation. One for each of the 12 tribes. A place where they can, they can live. They can raise their families. They can build their homes they could raise their crops. They could take care of their herds. For most of these people, it'll be the first home they've ever had in their life. That They've never owned property before. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They've never had a place to raise their family. They've never had a place to, to, to grow their crops or to tend their herds. This is a big deal in their life. If you were to read in the book of Joshua, in the middle of the book of Joshua, there's seven chapters devoted to the boundaries of the land. Very specific. This tribe gets this part, this part. It goes from here to here. Just very technical, legalese type, type language defining them. And, and finally the day comes. It's the big day where they're going to begin to receive the land, what they've been waiting for, their homes. So they've been waiting for their whole life. 
And as the, as the 12 tribes line up, there's 11 of the tribes that get a piece of land. And there's one tribe that goes empty. Well, today we're, uh, we're continuing our series that we've been in since last spring. And for those of you who are brand new, I want to welcome you. I uh, also want to give you just a little bit of background, just real quickly to bring you up to speed on this series. The series is called Freedom. It's a study of a letter from a man that we call the, the Apostle Paul. And, and he was actually one of the key leaders in the early movement of Jesus. And he's writing a letter to these, these young Christ followers who just become Christ followers in the Roman province of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And so we call this letter the letter to the Galatians. And so in this letter, he's kind of spelling out what it means to be a Christ follower. And the key idea of the whole letter is freedom, that, that really the reason Christ has come to, to live and die is to set us free, set us free from our past, set us free to a whole new life that God has for us. And one of the key ideas we've been learning in this letter is that this freedom, the key to our freedom as Christ followers is to learn to follow the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit that, that comes into our life when we give our life to Christ. And so the last few weeks, we've been in the third and final mini-series in, uh, in freedom. It's called Community. You can see it there on the front of your, your program or whatever. And in this final series, Paul's talking about what does freedom look like in the context of community? So, so as you, you've come to Christ, right? Uh, you've, you've come to the place you understand that, that Jesus died in your place for your sins to give you a new life. And you've accepted that. And you've, you've come into new relationship with God. And you're his son, you're his daughter. And because you're his son or daughter, he has, has filled you with his spirit to lead and guide you. And so he's got this whole new life for you. But, but we're not just called to do it individually. We're called to do it together. That when, when a man or woman gives their life to Christ, we become part of his movement, part of this community community, part of his church. And so what does it look like to live out a life of freedom in the context of community? And so in this chapter six, Paul's tackling five or six key issues they were facing in their church, helping them to understand, like, what does it look like to live out this life of freedom and community? And, and so what we get to do as a church is we get to come alongside, look over their shoulder, and watch as he addresses these topics, and we get to learn with them what does it look like to unleash the movement of Jesus in this, this movement of freedom here at Rocky Peak in our community that, that God's building here. So the topic today is generosity. And what we're going to learn is that part of the freedom that Christ has come to give us is, is a freedom from materialism. It's a freedom from stuff. That he wants to set us free to, to, to live for things that are actually, that matter the most in life and that are eternal. And so he's going to talk to us about this whole topic of, of generosity and, and specifically how God has planned to fund this movement of Jesus financially. Like, like if, if this movement's supposed to spread and take over the world, who's going to pay for that? How does it get funded? Okay, to expand the movement of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. There in your note sheet, uh, you have a section that's called the call to generosity, funding the movement. And we're just going to look at a single verse today. This series is just going way too fast, so we're slowing it down. <laughs> Actually, we only have a couple more weeks in this series. And then we're going to do something else. But I'm not going to tell you. But it is good. It's good. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm just kind of saving the excitement for later. All right, so, so here we go. So in verse 6, he says, uh, anyone who receives instruction. Okay, so, so catch the context. 
You've come to Christ, you're Christ's followers. You come into relationship with God through the death of his son. You've received his spirit. You become part of his movement. And as part of that movement, you receive instruction, don't you? Like, like we come together every week. That's what's happening right now. You're receiving instruction on what does it look like to follow Christ. And, and so we do that every week together. We come together in our life groups where we're receiving instruction. We come together in our essentials courses. We're receiving instruction, right? And so as, as we step into the movement of Jesus, it's a learning community, isn't it? Where Jesus said, go into all the world and teach them to obey all that I have taught you. And so we gather to, to be a learning community. How do we learn to be a follower of Christ? And so he says, okay, so anyone who receives instruction, you're part of the movement, uh, instruction in the word, must share all good things with his instructor. Like if you're part of the movement, uh, if, if you're part of this community, your job is to help support the movement financially. All right? So it's a pretty straightforward concept. Um, and it's a concept that we see all through the Bible, the Old Testament life of Jesus, New, uh, New Testament church. And if I had to put it in a nutshell, I, I'd put the principle like this. And I'll come back to this several times today. The, but the principle is, goes like this, that those who are led spiritually are supposed to support their leaders financially. Okay, those who are led spiritually are supposed to lead the, uh, support their spiritual leaders, those who are leading the movement financially. And we see this principle run throughout the Bible. And what I want to do is start today with just a brief kind of little Bible study as we trace this principle out in the Old Testament, the life of Jesus, and then the life of the early movement of Jesus' church. Okay, so there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called the spiritual principle, spiritual leadership, and financial support. And, and again, what I wanna do is kinda of walk through Old Testament, life of Jesus, New Testament, just kinda of briefly do a little survey, and then we're gonna come back and focus in on this verse in Galatians 6.6, 6, talk about the principles that are there, and then talk practically about our lives. So here we go. The, the first passage I'd like you to turn to is in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Numbers. Numbers 18. Now, as you're turning there, let, let me give you some background. When the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and, and they moved, came to Mount Sinai, one of the first commands that God gave, one of his top priorities, was he wanted to raise strong spiritual leadership for the nation. Now, you do understand this, right? You understand this, that no organization can ever rise above its level of leadership. Like, do you understand that? Like, like no family is going to be healthier than the mom and dad, right? Uh, no business is going to be stronger than its leadership. No country is going to be stronger than its leadership. No church is going to rise above its leadership. That, that leadership is sort of like a lid uh, on the organization, no matter what it is. And so when God creates the nation of Israel, one of his top priorities is to create strong leadership, spiritual leadership, so the nation can grow and thrive spiritually. Are you with me on this? You follow, follow that? And so, so right away, when he, when, when he starts this nation, one of his top priorities is to identify and to call strong leadership. And so what he does is he calls two kinds of people to lead. He raises up two kinds of people to, laze, uh, to, raise the, uh, to lead the nation spiritually. And they were called Levites and priests, all right? Now, uh, Levites uh, are, are the men 20 years and older from the tribe of Levi. So, so there are 12 tribes in Israel, 
and one of the tribes is the tribe of Levi. And so the men of that tribe are 20 years old. They're called Levites. And then uh, if you take the tribe of Levi, right, the whole tribe, one of the families of, of Levi, just one of the families, is the family of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest, the first high priest, and it's his descendants and his descendants alone who get to be priests in Israel, okay? So, so you follow this, like all priests are Levites. You get that? So, so you have, uh, if you have this big, the big tribe, Levites, but only some of the Levites are priests of the descendants of Aaron, the rest are Levites. So, so the job of the priests the job of the priests is to be the spiritual leaders of the nation. They're to teach, they're to lead, they're to offer sacrifices, offer prayers. They represent the people to God, God to the people. And so they're spiritual leaders. And then you have the Levites, and their job is to be to kind of come alongside and, and to help the priests do their, their work, like at the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the, the temple where the nation would worship God. It was their job to help prepare the sacrifices, take care of it, move the temple, move the tabernacle, the movable tent, and so on. And so, so the, the, the priests are kind of like the, uh, the parallel. Is the priests would be kind of like modern-day pastors, kind of like spiritual leaders. And, and the Levites were like uh, what we'd call staff at a church, like the, kind of the support staff of, of a church that come alongside to help, all right? So, so that's how it's set up. Now, uh, so here's, here's what God says. He says, when you go into the promised land, we're going to divide the land up. And this is where our story comes in from the beginning of the day. But you're going to go in this land, and once you conquer the land, I want you to divide the land up. You're going to have 12, uh, 12 sections of the land, and each tribe is going to get its own section. And that's where they're going to raise their families. That's where they're going to raise their crops. That's where they're going to build their homes. It's going to be their home, and, and so th- it's going to be in that tribe you know, forever. And, and so that's how they're going to support themselves. He says, but for the one tribe, the tribe of Levi, they're not going to get anything. Because their job is really to focus on the spiritual leadership of the nation, okay? Well, so the question comes up then, well, how are the Levites going to support themselves and their families? Like, like, how does that work? They don't have any land, they don't have any property. And God says, here's what I want you to do. Here's how it's going to work. I, I want the 11 tribes that uh, every year, I want them to bring 10% of their earnings, 10% of their crops, their herds, their fruit, uh, everything they make, 10%, I want them to bring it to me at the tabernacle or later the temple, and I want them to give it to me as an offering, okay? It's an offering of worship, it's an offering of thanksgiving, it's a thankful for the blessing of the land and so on. He said that I, in turn, I will give that to the Levites as their pay for the spiritual leadership that they provide. That'll be their wage, okay? So that's, that's the system that God designed uh, early on. And so you see this in Numbers 18. Let's read about this in verse 20. He says, the Lord said to Aaron, now remember Aaron is the first high priest. So the Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in the land nor will you have any share among them. You're not going to get any land. He says, I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. In other words, we're going to have a special relationship. I will take care of you in a different way. And so he says, I, I give to the Levites all the tithes, and that's the 10%. Now, now, you know, sometimes we'll use the word tithe loosely, but tithe really means 10%. In Hebrew, it means one-tenth. That's what it literally means. And so this is what they were to do, bring 10% 
uh, kind of off the top. And so I'm going to give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance, catch this, for the work they do while serving in the tent of meeting. So God says, this is how I'm going to pay them. You give your offering to me. I, in turn, am going to use this to, to pay them for the spiritual leadership they provide. Now look at verse 23. It's the Levites who are to do the work of the tent of meeting and to bear the responsibility for offenses against it. In other words, when, when God uh, led the nation uh, in the wilderness and he gave them their, kind of their plan for worship, it was very specific. Like worship had to take place at the tabernacle. It was also called the tent of meeting, the special tent that God designed. And, and the tent had, was very elaborately laid out. It had to be done a certain way. And sacrifices had to be done a certain way. And only certain things could be sacrificed and not other sacrifice. And there was all these kind of rules and rituals that were kind of like spiritual truths being taught to the nation. And so it was very clear what you're to do, when you're to do it, and so on. And so what he says is it's the Levite's job, the Levite's job to make sure the nation worships me in the correct way. And he says, and if they don't, I will hold them responsible for that. So, so what he's saying is they're they are the spiritual leaders and they're, they're, they're called to make sure the worship is done the right way. And so then he goes on and he says, this is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In other words, this is the way it'll be done. And, and they will receive no inheritance among the Israelites. Instead, I give the Levites as their inheritance, uh, I give the, the, the tithes that they, the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord. So the Israelites, they make the offering to the Lord. Uh, God in turn says, okay, that, thank you for that. Now that it's mine, I'm giving it to them as their wage for, for their spiritual leadership. Are you with me on this? You follow how this goes? So here's what I want you to catch. Big picture is that from the very beginning, God lays down this principle that this is how his movement on planet Earth works. Like, like, how does the movement of God plan or uh, move forward? The way it moves forward, the way it gets funded, is that those who are being spiritually led, they, they support the, leader, the, the leadership financially so that the movement of God can always have strong spiritual leadership so that the, the leadership can expand and grow and thrive and, and the movement can thrive. Are you with me? You're following that. Okay. Now, what I want to do is trace that principle because, because there's sometimes, you know, well, that's kind of an Old Testament thing. So, so how does that fit in the New Testament? And what we're going to see is in the New Testament, the same principle gets applied. And, and so we're going to still look first at the, at the life of Jesus. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, what you'll find is that he, he both teaches this principle in his teaching, but he also models it in his life. So let's talk about his teaching. Uh, at a certain point in his ministry, Jesus calls his men to himself, and he says, I, I want you to go out on a mission. I'm going to send you out on a preaching tour. I want you to take the message of my movement out to all the towns and villages uh, of Israel. And so the idea is you're going to go out two by two, and as you go out there, you're going to share the message of my movement, and you're going to prepare them for my coming so that when I come, they're ready to receive me. And so he gives them very specific instructions about where they're to go, what they're to say, uh, uh, what they're to do when they get there. And part of those instructions is he tells them how they're to support themselves financially because they're going to be out now for weeks or months, and so how do you support yourself financially? And what he says is when you go into a city or a town, you find someone there who's supportive of the movement, who believes in it, and you need to ask them if you can go, if you can live with them. And, and then you live with them, and while you're there, they're going to take care of all your financial needs. They're going to provide for all of your needs, and that's why I want you to support yourself financially. So, for example, on your note sheet, you have one of these instructions from Luke chapter 10. And, and so he says, stay in that house. You know, when you go into the city, you find that person that's supportive. Stay in that house. 
eating and drinking, whatever they give you. Now catch this, here, here it comes. For the worker deserves his what? His wages, okay? So it's the same principle we see back in the Old Testament where the Levites' wages are gonna come from God from this tithe from the people. He says, as you're out doing ministry, you need to be supported by those that you're, you're leading spiritually, right? They, because the worker deserves his wages. And then the next one, Matthew 10, he tells them, do not take any gold or silver or copper in your belts. In other words, don't, don't take a wad of money. Um, take no bag for your journey or an extra tunic, extra clothes, or sandals or, or flip-flops, or a staff, uh, for, for the worker is worthy of his keep, right? So it's, again, he says, as you go out in a ministry, don't, like, clean out your bank account, take a lot of money, don't take extra clothes and, and all your needs, you know, you're gonna run, your shoes are gonna wear out on this long trip, uh, because you're gonna find someone to live with, and, and it's gonna be their responsibility to meet your financial needs. And so we see, once again, Jesus reaffirming this Old Testament principle that those who are led spiritually need to support their leadership, the movement, financially. Now, here's what's really fascinating. Um, and I'm guessing that for some of your longtime Christians, a lot of what I've said so far, you're like, yeah, okay, I get that. I've heard that before. But this next part, I, I'm guessing that a lot of us, even if we're longtime Christians, have never known this. That, that Jesus not only taught this principle, but he modeled this principle. Like, like have you ever wondered this? Like in the, in the three years Jesus was out on the road teaching, preaching, healing, how did he support himself, right? Like, like how did he, you know, he got his men there. Like how do they financially support himself? Well, as you study the scriptures, it would seem that they lived off of this principle, that, when they, that they were supported financially by their financial supporters who believed in their ministry and believed in the movement. And we get a window into that in Luke chapter eight. And it's there in your note sheet. So Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, and he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12, that would be his 12 disciples, the 12 were with him, and also, this is interesting, there were some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And so, of course, Jesus is out healing people. Some of those are women that have had diseases or have had, uh, been, had uh, a, a demonic oppression, and, and he's healed them. And some of them are so thankful they want to travel with him and kind of help, help, help meet the needs of this movement. And so he gives us some examples. Uh, Mary, called Magdalene, we've heard of her before, uh, from whom seven demons had come out. And then there's a, a woman named Joanna, the wife of Cusa. And Cusa was the manager of Herod's household. So Herod was the king in the area. He has a, a manager named Cusa who manages his estate. It's a very big job. Cusa has a wife named Joanna. And Jesus had healed her. And so she's become a Christ follower. She's traveling with this entourage. And then he mentions another woman, Susanna, and he says, and there's many others. And so you have this picture of this large entourage, Jesus with his 12, some women he's healed, uh, probably some other men that are just traveling because normally he's traveling in large groups. And so, but then look what Luke says uh, last. He says, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. Do you see that? And so what we have a picture here is that Jesus is living off of the contributions, the financial uh, contributions of those that he's ministered to who believe in his movement. And so, so he's not only teaching this principle that those who are spiritually led need to financially support the leadership, he is actually modeling it in, in his life, all right? And so because of this, then this becomes the principle of the early church. This is the way it works. And so uh, there's a passage I want you to turn to. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
And again, all I'm trying to do is just kind of give you a quick broad brush of this principle through Scripture. So we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is teaching the new believers in the church of Corinth about this principle, that those who are led spiritually need to support the leadership financially. And it's very interesting because what we learn in this passage is that the Apostle Paul, while he was in Corinth starting his church, he actually didn't receive financial support. Uh, he, he, uh, he could have received it. He, uh, it was his right. He's explaining it was my right. He chose not to because he felt like it would undercut his credibility, like he was in it in the money for this kind of sharing the gospel in this new pagan territory. And so he chose not to. But he's coming back and he's laying out, but this is how it normally works and you need to be supporting your leadership. And so he says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, he gives some illustrations. He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? In other words, if you sign up for the military, uh, they pay you. you. You don't pay them, right? Hey, can, can I come and serve? I, I've got a nephew who's in the army. When he signed up, he got a bonus. He started getting paid. Like, you don't, um, you don't go and say, hey, I'll give you 10,000 bucks if you let me join the army, Right? It's uh, not the way it works. Uh, next one, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat of its grapes? So if you have a plot of land, you decide to invest, plant a, a vineyard, the reason you do that is so that you can receive the, the harvest. Uh, verse eight, or uh, next, uh, next example, who tends a flock and doesn't drink of its milk? So if you decide to invest in a herd, raise a herd of, of sheep, you do that so you can get the wool, you can get the, the, the milk from it. So the whole point is this is the way life works, right? This is the way life works is that when you work, you get paid, right? Now, uh, if you go to verse 14, then he gets to the point he's trying to make. And he says, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And this is what we just saw in Matthew 10 and, and Luke 10, this principle that Jesus taught that, that the worker is worthy of his wage. So, so again, all I'm trying to do here is just kind of lay out that, that this is how the movement of God has always been funded. I want you to catch this. That, that if we're here as a church, if we're gonna unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers, this is how it gets done, right? By, by each doing our part, and we support, we support the leadership, we support the, 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 the church, the ministry, and then the movement expands, and this is kind of how it's always been. And so this is what Paul is saying. Now that you have that background, I want you to go into, back to Galatians 6.6, 6, and let's see what he says again. Galatians 6.6, 6, he says, okay, so anyone who receives instruction in the word. So again, let's set the context. He says, you're new believers. You've come to Christ. You've understood he died in your place so that you could have a relationship with God, not based on your performance, but based on his. You've entered into this new relationship, become sons and daughters of the living God. His spirit has come into your life. He's called you to free, freedom, right? He says, now, so, so as, as a member of the movement of Jesus, you're part of this new community, the church. And he said, and so, and so you gather every week to receive instruction in the word, like how to grow, how to follow Christ. He says, so let me explain how this works. He says that anyone who receives instruction, then your responsibility is to share all good things with the, uh, the, the spiritual leaders, the teachers, right? Why? So the movement of Jesus can have strong leadership, it can grow, and it can thrive, and it can take over the world. Okay, so, so that's the principle. Now, what I want to do next is I want to take a, a, just a couple minutes and I want to focus in a little more deeply on this passage, Galatians 6.6, 6, and I want to highlight two principles that flow out of it. It's very important for us to understand kind of big picture principles, all right? So there in your note sheet, 
You have a section called the, the, uh, the Call to Generosity, Generosity 101. And let, let's take a look at this, uh, this, this verse, 6-6. Six, six, okay? So here we go. Here's number, principle number one. The first principle goes like this. Generosity. Okay? And by that, I'm talking about financial support of your local church. All right? Because that's, that's the context. Generosity is a non-negotiable. Okay? What, what Paul wants us to understand is if we're part of the movement of Jesus, uh, that, that supporting the local movement, well, we're, we're a part of that community, it's a, it's a non-negotiable for us as Christ followers. So, for example, if you look at 6.6, Look at 6.6 again, Galatians 6.6. He says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with the instructor, okay? So notice the word anyone. So what he's saying is if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of this new community, you're part of this new movement, then you're, this is for you, that, that, this, that you need to be supporting financially the movement of Jesus. And it's part of being a Christ follower. Now, this is interesting because I think often we miss this, and we miss it for a variety of reasons. Uh, for example, uh, sometimes we miss it because we're new believers, right? So, so what we think is, he said, you know, that I, I know the Bible talks, I know that God talks about supporting the movement of Jesus financially, but, you know, I'm a new believer, I'm not very mature spiritually, and so I'm sure that someday, maybe two or three years from now, I'll be more mature, and at that point, I'll start supporting the movement of Jesus financially, but, but I'm new at this. But I want you to catch, let's look at 6.6 six again, and what does he say? 6.6 six says that anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things. Did you catch that? What's the first word? Anyone, right? So, so that takes in everyone. In fact, the irony of this is that this whole letter of Galatians, it's written to brand new Christ followers, Right? He's telling brand new Christ followers what it means to be part of the movement. And he says what you need to understand from the very beginning of following Jesus is that this whole financial support thing to fund the movement, it's for everyone. This is part of our core calling as Christ followers. Uh, Sometimes I think we miss this because of our station in life. Uh, sometimes I think, we'll, we'll think like this, you know, I, I know that as a Christ follower, I, I should support the movement of Jesus. I would really love to, but you know, it's just a bad time in my life. Uh, uh, like, I, I'm a student still. I don't have a lot of money. Uh, I, I'm a, uh, 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 we just got married and we're poor and we don't, we don't have any money. Um, you know, we just had our first child and there's so many new expenses. Um, now, our kids are in high school and it's going crazy. You know how much they eat. <laughs> uh, hey, now it's time to, we got to start saving for college. Well, now we're empty nesters. Retirement's coming. You know, uh, we're retired now. We don't have the income we once did. You see? And so there's kind of always a reason. And so, but again, what does Paul said? He says, anyone, right? It's for everyone. Uh, sometimes we miss this, I think, because of our kind of socioeconomic status. Uh, that I think sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll come, say, like to a church like this, and we'll say, um, I, I know that we're supposed to, to, to give, to, to fund the movement of Jesus, but you know what? It's a big church. I'm sure there's a lot of wealthy people here, which is not true, but... Um, <laughs> But I'm sure there's a lot of wealthy people here, and, and so uh, I'm sure they will give, and someday when, when I make more money, someday when I, I get ahead, then, then I will give, but I just, I just really can't do it right now, you see? But, but here's what I want you to call. Paul says, no, that this is a non-negotiable, that it's for every member of the body, right? He says, anyone who receives instruction. So if you're here, you're a Christ follower, you're receiving instruction, this applies to you. And let, let me just say a little stronger, this means if you are not giving to extend the movement of Jesus, you are living 
in flat-out disobedience, okay? That can't be a whole lot clearer, can you? Right? But that's what Paul's saying here. It's, it's a non-negotiable. Now, let me just say this one thing real quickly, just to make sure I'm not misunderstood. Um, just a quick little sidebar. Obviously, if you're out of work, and a lot of you are, this doesn't apply to you, right? Because it's like the tithe in the Old Testament, you know, you, it, where they gave, what, 10%, but it was 10% of what they had. In a lean year, it was less. In a great year, it was more. And so if you're, if you're out of work, you're not making any money, well, we get that, right? Like, you know, it's like you, you're, you don't have any income. Uh, let, me, let me talk to another kind of person. Uh, sometimes I'll talk to, to wives who'll come up and say, Mike, I just so much want to, to give to, 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 to Christ, so all he's done for me, but, but I'm, I'm married, my husband's not a believer, and I don't really have control over our finances, and he doesn't want me to give, won't let me give, and, and so I just feel so guilty, and I'm always saying the same thing, don't feel guilty. It's like God sees your heart, like you would if you could. You know, so don't feel bad about that. And, and just pray. God may give you some creative ways of giving in smaller ways, you know, through your Starbucks money or something, you know, something like that. But, but uh, don't, don't worry about that. So I want to be clear on this. But for most of us here, most of us here that were employed or whatever, that, then this is a non-negotiable if you're a follower of Christ. Okay? The second principle goes like this. That generosity or the call is to generosity. In other words, um, the call is, is, is not just to giving, the call is to generosity in our giving. That's important. Uh, there in your note sheet, or in Galatians 6, 6, uh, look what he says again. Read along with me. He says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share what? All good things. You see that? He doesn't say a few good things. He doesn't say a, from time to time a good thing. He says all good things. There's a sense of generosity that, they, that goes with this. Um, and this is so important. You know, this whole series is, is on freedom, right? And, and Christ has come to set us free in every area of our life. And this is one of the most important areas. That, that one of the things that Christ has come to set us free from is a self-absorbed materialism, right? A, a self-absorbed kind of worrying about our finances. What he wants to do, he wants to set us free into the freedom that he has, and one of his top priorities for our life is to teach us how to grow, to become generous like he is. If you've been here at Rocky Peak for any length of time, you know this, that what we believe here is that the whole reason that we come to Jesus is to become like Jesus. That God has a passion for your life, that he's going to transform you from the inside out to be like Christ. And of course, that takes in every area of your life, but it also takes in your finances, and what we have when we turn to the New Testament is that we see is that Jesus is lifted up as the model of the ultimate generosity person in the area of finances. And we talked about this briefly last summer in, in our series on, uh, on generosity, when, when we went through that journey of generosity. But you remember this, that we, we, uh, I mentioned this at the time, we often don't think of it this way, that, uh, that when Jesus came, and when we think of the price that he paid to rescue us, I think our minds, first of all, they go to the cross, don't they? The, the tremendous price he paid on the cross. And that's how it should be. That's what we should think of. But we often miss just the price he paid for, for the ticket for admission to planet Earth. Be, because if you stop and think about it, as I mentioned then, I mean, Jesus lives in, in the greatest gated community in the whole universe, right? With all the perks that come with that. And, and the price that he had to pay to downsize to our level, uh, to move into a poor third world back, backwaters uh, country, 
to be born to a poor family, a, a very poor uh, 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 young husband and wife who couldn't even kind of, uh, you know, they kind of, he's born in a barn. He grows up in a small podunk town called Nazareth. It was such a, a, like the other side of the tracks that, that they had proverbs in Israel about Nazareth. Remember, uh, uh, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's kind of our, our version of, you know, Barstow or something like that. Um, if you live on Barstow in this tape, I'm sorry. Um, uh, and, and so he grows, and he, he lives as a poor man working with his hands, uh, a, a poor peasant. Okay, that, that's his life. And we often miss this. And so in, in the book of 2 Corinthians, where Paul's giving some of the best teaching in all the Bible on generosity and financial giving, he uses Jesus, says Jesus is the ultimate model of financial generosity. In fact, there in your note sheet, you have this uh, verse from 2 Corinthians uh, 8, where uh, this is what Paul's talking about. He says, uh, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, and he's talking here about financially rich, Okay? Though he's rich, lives in heaven, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And, and so the message is this. He says, this is what God's after. When you become a, a follower of Jesus, God wants to change you from the inside out to your greatest joy in life is giving. To, to where your, your priorities and your values are, are shifted away to where you want to invest in things that truly matter. And they will matter not just for this life or the next life. And that becomes your greatest joy. In, in fact, the next passage there, a uh, famous verse, where you know, Paul is taking this major offering from the church at Corinth. That's why he's writing on this. And, and the money he's collecting is to give the special gift for the poor in Jerusalem. And he was there a year before. And he had shared this need, and he had asked them to pray about it and see what God would have them to do. And they, they had prayed, and they made a commitment about what they would give over the next year. And so now he's going to be coming back and collecting that, that gift, what God had put in their heart to do. And so here's what he says. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, in other words, uh, the previous year when he was there, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion, like you're out of duty or guilt or your arms being twisted, but uh, uh, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. And remember what we learned, uh, cheerful is the word that in Greek is the word hilarion. It's where we get our word hilarious from. And so Paul says God loves a hilarious giver. And so, so this is what he wants to turn us into. Do you follow me? This is part of what it means to be a passionate Christ follower, that, that our whole hearts are changed, our minds are changed, so we are passionate about the things that, that truly matter in life, that we care about the, the advance of his kingdom, we care about the poor, and then as a result, we're set free from our self-absorption and materialism, and we move into this freedom of Jesus, this joy of giving. You see? And so Paul says that's what he's after in our life. And so here in Galatians 6.6 6 then, let's go back to that. He says, so here's the principle. Anyone who receives instruction in the word should share all things with those who lead them. There's a spirit of generosity in the giving. Now, that, that, here's what I want to do next. You kind of got the principles, right? You're a Christ follower, generosity, non-negotiable. And, and that generosity, that giving is to be generous giving. It, it's not $5 in the plate, uh, unless that's all you have, then it's generous. But it's not $5 in the plate, it's a good buy. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a serious giving that's going on here to fund the movement of Jesus, all right? Now, having said that, I want to do some self-evaluation. Now, I think you know this, but at least at this point in my life here at Rocky Peak, I've chosen not to know who gives what. 
So, so I don't know. As I look around this auditorium, I, I don't know who gives what here, right? So, so as I'm teaching here, I don't want you to think I'm looking at you and thinking, get on the bandwagon, right? <laughs> uh, that that what, I, what I'm really doing here is I'm coming alongside you as your pastor, and I'm teaching you how to follow Jesus. It's funny because sometimes people will come up to me after a message like this, and they'll say, Mike, good job. I know that's a hard topic. They, they assume that it's hard for me to talk about money. Can I tell you, that is a wrong assumption. Because my goal for your life is to turn you into a passionate Christ follower. And one of the things I know is that until Jesus owns your pocketbook, you will not be a passionate Christ follower. That, that will not happen. That there's something that happens when you come to the place in your life where you say, all that I have and all that I am, it belongs to you. God, will you lead me and will you direct me? When that surrender takes place, your relationship with God will go to a whole new level because God finally has your heart. You see? And so as your pastor, I'm passionate about this. Uh, I, I could teach as passionately some other churches, this church, because I believe God's called us to unleash a movement here. And it is not going to happen unless we all do our part. And I, I believe he's called you to live a life of freedom. And that's impossible if you're enslaved to money. You cannot love God and money. There has to be a moment in your life you decide, is it God or is it money, right? So, so you're, you're kind of picking up on this. I don't have a trouble teaching on this, right? Because I care about you and I care about the kingdom. And so I'm going to give you three questions to evaluate your life right? And, and, there, and, and there's just between you and God, because I don't know. I, I don't know the answers. You'll have to answer these questions, okay? Here we go. Number one. Number one, are you doing your part? Now, that's a great question. Paul has laid out for us this principle, that anyone who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things, with, with uh, those, the, the teachers, the instructors, okay? So he says, anyone. He's laid it out that if you're a part of the movement of Jesus, you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've accepted his death for you so you will not go to hell, that you will go to heaven, that you will be forgiven. You can be a child of God. You can receive the Holy Spirit. And as part of that, you're part of the movement of Jesus to, to take over planet Earth. And, and that's you. He says, then, then you need to do your part. Because this is how God has designed his movement to expand. And if we're not doing our part, it won't expand. The movement of Jesus will not move forward and won't thrive the way it's supposed to do. So the question is, are you doing your part? Now, this is an important question to me because honestly, this is a question God asked to me when I was about 24 years old. And I want to tell you that story. And I've shared this story once or twice before here at Rocky Peak, so it may sound familiar, but I think it's appropriate uh, for this teaching. It'll be helpful. Um, let's, let's wind the clock back until now I'm 24 years old, right? So Lynn and I have been married about four or five years, and, uh, and, and so we're in this small little church. I'm not in ministry. Uh, I, I don't even know that I'm going to be in ministry at this point. But, but we're just, we're just kind of passionate Christ followers. We're just really running after him, and, and we want to please him. And when it comes to this area of finances, we're not really sure what we're supposed to do because if you've been in the Christian community, you know this, so there's different teaching on this issue. And so there's some Bible scholars, teachers, whatever, that they, they believe that as Christ followers, we, we should give 10% of our income off the top 
uh, to the Lord like Israel did in the Old Testament. And that's a requirement for all Christ's followers. And so there's other Bible teachers, equally godly, equally spiritual, who believe, no, that was a law for Israel and the nation and in the Old Testament. We're not under that law. As Christ followers, we're supposed to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, and we give as he leads us, okay? And so you have these two different theories, and, and we're 24, and like, we don't know, you know, we, we don't know, we just want to please him. And so, um, but we're also very poor, right? And so we, we don't want to do the 10% thing uh, if it's not required, right? Because, because we might starve. And so, uh, but if it is what he wants, th- then we're good with that. So, so anyway, we, we've been to pray about this. And, and one day, I'll never forget it, God spoke to me. And it, it wasn't in words, but it, the way God usually speaks to me is like in a download. It's kind of like, uh, like you're downloading iTunes, you know? And it's like, it's coming, it's coming, boom, boom, it's there. And you get the whole song, the whole thing. It's like, boom, it's like a conversation's taking place in, in, you know, outside of time or something. And so uh, in, in this download, you know, when, where God speaks, and it's just, you just sense his word, is, is the power of it, the authority of it, the weight of it, the clarity, clarity of it. I mean, I sense I've been spoken to. And if I could put it into words, the conversation would go like this. It's, it's like, uh, Mike, um, is this your church? Yes, Lord, it's my church. Is this the place where you're seeking me, where you're growing, where you're learning how to follow me, where you're being instructed, uh, where you're building relationships? Is, is, this, is this your, yes, Lord, that, that's where I'm, I'm learning. That's where I'm growing. Um, is this the place where you want to raise your family someday? And Lynn and I were in the process of starting a family. And I, yes, Lord, this is where I'm raising my family. And the next question came, well, do you want to do your part or not? Do you want someone else to be picking up the tab for your spiritual growth? And honestly, I'd never thought of that. Like, like some of you might be sitting here, you've never thought of that. But I'd never thought of it. I, we'd probably been going to that church a year. I, I don't know if we'd really given much of anything but it's, it's a small, it's, it's, it's where we're growing, it's where we're building relationship, it's where I'm gonna raise my family, and, and yet, I'm not giving anything financially. And it was such a profound question. Do you want to do your part, or do you want someone else picking up the tab for your spiritual, your growth? Like, I would never do that in any other area of my, of my life, right? I, I would never be part of something, and like, oh yeah, you pay, I don't wanna pay, right? So. I would never do that. And so the moment he asked me, it was just so profound. It was like, oh, yes, of course, uh, you know, I want to. And, and it was interesting for me in that moment, I also knew he was saying yes to the 10% for me, right? For me, for, I knew that that moment, and, and so I didn't know how we're going to do it or whatever, but this is what he wanted, absolutely. We began to use that as kind of a minimum of our giving from that point on. We've never uh, strayed from that. God's blessed us uh, with that financially. He's blessed us personally. He's protected. It's just, there's been just a, a blessing that's come with it, and I've never, never looked back on that decision, right? But here's the question. You're part of this church. Are you doing your part? Or are you living off of someone else's generosity? Okay, good question. Okay, number two. The second question is, are you listening to the Spirit? Now, this is so important. This is what we've been learning this whole series, right? In fact, every week in the intro, I make a point of saying this. I'm driving it into our church, driving it in every week. That that the key to our freedom And the key to our growth is learning to listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life, right? Now, now that is true in every area of our life, but it is also true in this financial area of our life. That that 
as a Christ follower, every one of us needs to come to that place where we decide, is it, is it God or is it money? And, and we come to the place where we say, uh, we need to have a conversation with him. Lord, all that I am, all that I have belongs to you. Now, would you direct me and how you want me to, to give, right? And so the question is, are you having that conversation and are you listening to what he's saying to you, right? Like, I don't know what he'll tell you. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but are, you, are you listening and are you following? Now, the third question. The third question is, are you growing in your generosity? See, as Christ followers, we should be growing in our generosity. Like over the years, as the Holy Spirit, he's going to grow you in every area of your life, right? He's going to grow you in your love. He's going to grow you in your compassion. He's going to grow you in your self-control. He's going to grow you in every area of your life. But one of the areas that he's going to grow us is in generosity. Like if we're, if we're as generous today as we were five years ago, something's probably wrong. Like, like we should be growing in our generosity. Now, what this looks like in your life, I don't know. Like if you go before God and say, what do you want me to do? And, and all I have all is, all is yours and you, would you leave me? I, I don't know what he's going to tell you. Um, my hunch is for many of you here, he will probably say, yeah, I want you to start with the tithe, the tithe percent. Uh, I, I've, I've been in this long enough. I've talked to enough people. I've seen this over years. There are a lot of people, when they go before God, that he's going to say to you what he said to me. And you may not even know how you're going to pay this. You may not know how you're going to afford this. But trust me, if God's telling you, and you take that step, he will provide. And he will lead and he will guide. And I have story after story after story, right? And so there's many of you that that's where God may start you off. But, but there may be for others of you, God doesn't start you with that 10%. He may start you somewhere else. When you ask him, he may start you at a much lower. He may say it's 2%, it's 4%, it's 6%. It may not be a percent at all. It may be a certain amount. It may be $200 a week. It may be uh, $300 a month. It could be a 10000 a year. I, I don't know. But it's just like whatever he says, right? So the point is, is that he's going to start you off someplace. But here's the point. As you follow him over the years chances are he's going to increase that. Why? Because he wants to create the heart of Jesus in you. And he's going to be creating a joy in giving and investing in things that really matter. And so over time, this is going to be developing in your your life. And here's the thing. Probably by the time he's done with you, if you're listening to the Spirit, you're going to end up probably significantly more than 10%. Because here's the reality. When Jesus came, he came to raise the bar, not lower the bar. He came to give us more of life, not less of life. More freedom, not less of freedom. More generosity, not less generosity. More love. Are you with me? That, that Jesus came to take us to a whole new level through the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so if in the Old Testament, God's working in the heart of Israel to teach him generosity and 10% is level. Can you see this? When, when you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to increase your heart. Now, it may not all be to your local church. It may be to other missions things. It may be to the poor. It may be to a variety of things. But God, as you follow him, he's going to increasingly uh, 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 grow your heart. Um, There in your note sheet, there's a great quote from a man named Tim Keller. I think Tim Keller is one of the leading Christ followers in our nation today. God's raising up. Just a tremendous guy. He uh, leads a church back in Manhattan uh, in New York called uh, the Redeemer Church. And he's at a, a, a time in his life, he's writing a lot of, a lot of books, a very prolific writer. And I, I think he's one of the most influential guys in our nation today for the movement of Christ. He's a tremendous guy. And uh, I read a book about a year or so ago called Counterfeit Gods. And, uh, and it's really about the different gods that kind of compete for our attention, the different idols in our life. And, he, and one chapter is on, on, uh, on, on the God of money because obviously, 
The God of money is one of the biggest gods of the human race, always has been. And so he's talking about this God in our life and how Jesus came to destroy that God and why Jesus said no one can serve two lords in their life. You have to, you're going to either serve God or you see money. You can't serve them both, that you can't have this God of money in your life. And, and so you're going to have to make that issue clear. You have to make that decision. <laughs> and so in this context, he's talking about uh, 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 giving, about generosity, about tithing, and it's just a great take, you know? And, and again, hear, hear me, uh, God may call you to do something different to start than that, but, but I think it's a great take. And so here he goes. He says, there have been times when people have come to me as their pastor, and they've asked about tithing, uh, giving away a tenth of their income. They notice in the Old Testament there are many clear commands that believers would give away 10%, but in the New Testament, specific quantitative requirements, how much, for giving are less prominent. And so they often ask me, you don't think that now in the New Testament, believers are absolutely required to give away 10%, do you? And so I shake my head, no, and then they give a sigh of relief. But then I quickly add, I'll tell you why you don't see the tithing requirement laid out clearly in the New Testament. Think, have we received more of God's revelation and truth and grace than Old Testament believers or less? And usually there's an uncomfortable silence. Are we, are we more debtors to grace than they were or less? Did Jesus tithe his life and blood to save us or did he give it all? And then he says tithing is a minimum standard for Christian believers. We certainly wouldn't want to be in a position of giving away less of our income than those who had so much less of an understanding of what God did to save them, right? Are you, are you with me in this? And, and so here's what I'm saying. I don't know where God will start you, but I can almost guarantee you, whatever you start, you won't end there, that, that he will grow you. Why? Because he wants to create the heart of Christ and that you, you live for, for the next life and the things of, uh, that, that move God's heart, right? Okay, so one more thing now. Here, this has the, inf- the, so the question is, are you growing? And, and I want to talk to those of you for just a second. You're long-time tithers, okay? So I realize in a room like this, uh, probably most of us aren't long-time tithers. But, but, in room, but there are a lot of you are tithers. And, and by the way, thank you. Because it's because of you, the movement of Jesus is expanding here. Right, like we could not do this without you. And thank you for that. But let me say this to you, that if you're a long-time tither, like, like I am, like Lynn and I, that's kind of where we start our giving and go up from there. If you're a long-time tither, th- it's very easy to get comfortable with that. A- and it's very easy to get complacent. And so I- I've done this, you've probably done this. It's like, you know, every month, I, you know, my quick comes out of quicken. Automatic check comes to the church, right? Or maybe you have automatic withdrawal or whatever. And so it, it just become, it, or it can become like a bill. It's just like, like your normal bill, right? Like you just say you pay this bill, you pay that bill, and you just don't even think about it. It's just, kinda, it's just coming out, whether you put it in offering or online, whatever, right? And, and so, well, so what can happen subtly over time is that we think that we've done our duty now to God, and now, now we're just kind of focused on the rest of it. Now we just kind of spend the rest of it like we want. But here's what I'm saying is that no, as Christ followers, we should always be growing in our generosity. And so, so it's not like we get to that point and we say, okay, that's it, I'm done now. It's like, no, we're always asking, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Because they're very likely, he's gonna ask you to take new steps to grow you to become more like Christ. Are you with me? And so for all of us, the question is, are we growing? Okay, so three simple questions that, that I wanna leave you with then. Number one, as a Christ follower, are you doing your part or are you being disobedient, right? Are you doing your part? Number two, are you listening to the Spirit? 
Like, have you come to the place in your life, you said, Jesus, all I am, all I have belongs to you. Now you show me what you want me to do. I will do, whether it's a lot or a little, I will follow you. Are you listening to the Spirit? And then third, are you growing? Are, are you more generous today than, than you were, say, three years ago, five years? Do you see that pattern in your life? Because if we're listening, I believe that, that probably we will be. You probably will be. There may be some exceptions. Certainly if your income's dropped, then things, you know, that, that changes everything. But you know what I'm saying, that, that in general, uh, we should be growing in our generosity, becoming more like Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for uh, the words of the Apostle Paul that he just challenges that let, let anyone who receives instruction should receive, should share all good things with, with his instructor. And God, we just want to be faithful in that because, um, because we love you, because we believe in your movement, because we want to be part of eternity. And we just pray that as a church, you would pour out a spirit of grace upon us, that we would grow in this area, and that, that as we pursue you, even this week, to look at our own life, ask these questions, uh, that you would speak very clearly, and that we, we would know we're right where you want us to be. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, last night, I was standing there, we were singing that song, and I, I was thinking, you know, this, this was really one of those, uh, what I call a thinning the herd sermon. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, I was thinking about that, and I, I thought, you know, that, that's not all bad, you know, because um, we're, we're growing as a church, um, and, uh, you know, our job is to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. And so if, if there's people here that say, you know what, I, yeah, I'm not really interested in being a passionate Christ. I'm not really interested in pleasing Jesus. I don't really want to follow him. I, I, you know, just don't talk to me about financing the movement. That's not for me. And, and some of those people leave. But Donovan, that's really kind of a good thing. You know, because it, it, it creates seats for the people that God's bringing that really want to follow Jesus and, and unleash a movement, you see? Right. And, and so, uh, just to be clear, if you're here yet and you're not a follower of Jesus, in a sense, you're just kind of listening in to family business right now, right? Like, like this is not for you. Uh, when you. When you give your life to Christ, then it becomes for you. But at this point, it's not for you. This is for those of us who have given our lives to Christ. I mean, he died for us. He, he died that we could be forgiven. He lives that we might live a new life. He's given everything that we might move into a life of freedom, you see? He's given us his spirit. And, and what he's asked is that we would lay up treasures in heaven and invest in the things that truly matter. And, and so if we're, not, if we're not listening to him on that, if we don't care about that, then really what are we doing here, right? Like why are we here, you see? And so I started thinking, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, thinning the herd messages are, are good things because they strengthen the body. They, they, they create more seats for people who really want to follow, right? And so may, may the Lord be moving in your life and may you have honest conversation with him this week and may you thank him for what he's done for you. May you tell him that all you have and all that you are belongs to him and may you ask him to lead you in this area because here's what I can promise you. You will never be sorry for giving to the kingdom, right? If, you, if you're giving as a spirit, you'll never be sorry. And, and you will be storing up, as Jesus said, treasure in heaven. And, and one day you will be so grateful that he set you free from self-absorption and materialism to things that truly matter. 
And he's called us to freedom. And this is one of the very most important areas of freedom. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I do love you. And I'll see you next week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Thank you.